Hello and welcome to Soundtrack Showdown to our very special Christmas special episode. Ho ho ho! What are you laughing about, Tristan? <laughs> oh, you're not in the Christmas spirit yet. Uh, um, apparently not as much as you, but yep, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, was that bad? Look, I, I'm not at the quite at the point where I'm yo-ho-hoing spontaneously, but, but but I'm hoping that that'll come soon. Well, hope yeah, hopefully, since obviously the two films we're going to be talking about will lift you up and put you in a more of a Christmas joyful, you know mood absolutely absolutely and look i'm hoping that everybody out there listening is having a a wonderful holiday period i'd like to think that maybe you're listening to this while you're off on your christmas holiday or maybe you're going home to your family maybe you're like preparing christmas dinner that sounds like a pretty good thing to listen to while while, uh preparing for a christmas dinner or something so maybe you're like you know chopping the potatoes some carrots something a little bit a little bit sort of really mundane and, and hopefully we'll be able to make that just a little bit more um festive yeah and stuffing for, for, the for chicken as well or stuffing the turkey oh yeah yeah that's 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 often quite a, a messy job so yes we'll, we'll definitely um give you some nice entertainment while you get your hands dirty as, as it were so yes let's go back to what we do best which is discussed soundtracks pick an overall winner and then hopefully not fight although i do feel like maybe this one this is the one where we're gonna fight all right look i i I think that the i think this one might get a little bit heated and look what better way to celebrate christmas than with a good old-fashioned row like you know and then the (laughs) if that's not the spirit of the holidays i don't know what the end of it as well with like some mulled wine and we're eggnog yeah (laughs) exactly exactly We we will we'll chill afterwards but right now i think you're going to see some differences of opinion. Well, I'm hopeful because, I mean, it's almost a running joke, isn't it, that we never disagree. Mm. But before we obviously announce the contenders, just letting you know this is a spoiler alert. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Okay, so yeah. if you haven't seen the films, which I'm sure all of you have, if you haven't, I'm going to, like, I'm going to be like, where the hell have you been? Um, so... Just maybe go away, watch those films. It's not going to take too long, maybe three hours max, and then come back and listen. Or if you don't mind listening, even though you haven't seen the film, then carry on. You know, it's still going to be a nice ride. So our contenders are Nightmare Before Christmas, music by Danny Elfman, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas by James Horner. Music yes, that also is. known as the Grinch in some places. It's complicated. It's very complicated. I mean, when I, when it first came out back in my day, two thousand, um, it was named as the Grinch. So I don't know. In the UK, it was. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, where I was in Australia, it was how the Grinch stole Christmas. Why you make things so difficult, was. though? Why do Australians think, make things very very difficult for themselves? I think it's you guys. I think we had the same title as the US. I think you guys had the unique title. I'm not entirely sure why. I much preferred The Grinch. It just says it right, what's on the table, you know, what's on the box. Okay, fair enough. 
But anyway, yes, there is a more recent one, like last year, I think there was a 2018 one. We're not talking about that one. And oh my God, they did some different musical decisions. Not going there. Just just not going there. And so the rounds for this episode will be round one, Christmas. Round two, villain song. Round three, plots and plans. Round four, the raid slash Christmas delivery. And finally, round five, legacy. So Tristan, I wanted to know, what did you think of Nightmare Before Christmas when you first watched it? What were your first thoughts? I liked it. Look, it's 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 a good film. It's one of the uh, quirkier, more unusual, different Disney films. Every, like, five years or so, I feel, Disney comes up with a really strange film that doesn't really go with the rest of their ones, their, uh, their movies, but it just sort of it has its own kind of place and style and and I, I always tend to like them so this one and i would also put uh, emperor's new groove into that category they're just they're just good fun how about you when i first came to the uk from russia mm-hmm. my dad bought these four videotapes mm-hmm. that um, consisted of the lion king jurassic park the making of jurassic park <laughs> and nightmare before christmas so when I say, I know you're probably thinking like, oh, so, but I think it's because this is literally as we landed and we came like to our place and in order to kind of keep us occupied, those were the, f- the four videotapes, like films and animation he bought to kind of as a little present for us. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know whether subconsciously my dad already knew that I was going to go for the Nightmare Before Christmas, like just instantly, mm-hmm. um, because I literally rinsed that film um to death i was replaying it rewinding it and i learned that i kind of started to learn english by right through that film because i was mm-hmm. like mimicking and trying to sing the words and stuff so um yeah it's i think what also really it was the first film that made me feel like i already felt like a bit of an outsider because i was in a country that i was classed as an outsider a foreigner um so it kind of helped me kind of deal with that ang- anxiety i guess that makes and sense. i think there's a lot of things with that film that made me feel like i i felt like i was part of a subculture because there is a huge subculture of people who enjoy nightmare before christmas like well into their like old age and stuff because it's just so timeless i don't know it's just i i've never had any film other than nightmare before christmas really engrossed and be such a part of my life mm-hmm. and just to be able to Do you watch it every year yeah it's uh twice a year i literally watch it before christmas uh, uh sorry i literally watch it every year before halloween and before christmas that's like my little tradition that i have you know okay. without a doubt yep. but hence why i love the fact that it celebrates the the macabre and it celebrates the the sort of joyfulness of christmas um mm-hmm. although I, d- I did i did at times wish that there was more halloween moments like even though they have the halloween moment right at the beginning of the film like oh just maybe a little bit longer because it does shift to the christmas vibe quite quickly i guess in yeah. some ways Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it just spoke to my inner goth. That's all I can say yeah. in some ways. It's just my inner freak child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does really hold a dear spot in my heart. That doesn't mean I'm going to be biased necessarily. 
I think it might. <laughs> so, what did you think of the the Grinch? Then is it the same thing where you you, know, you saw it much later? Because it's funny for me. Like mm-hmm. I knew it came out in two thousand, and I was about young, like eleven, twelve, or something like that. But sure, I didn't watch it at all until like literally a week ago. Yeah, me neither. I remember when the film came out and like Jim Carrey was on his like he was on a high point. There were so many films yep. like he did Ace Ventura, The Mask and Yep. A few other like very similar Liar Liar and Liar stuff, Liar, yeah. exactly. And so it felt like oh, this is just another Jim Carrey film where he's like doing his caricatures or like physicality and just yep. being a goofball. And so mm-hmm. I just felt but like you know, I just felt a bit like I didn't want to watch another one where he's just doing the same thing over and over again. So mm-hmm. having had that period of not watching him almost 20 years, yep. although I've seen a few other films but of his, but it, when I did watch it last week, it felt quite refreshing. And I was able okay. to appreciate his mannerisms, his body acrobatics, you know, everything, like his movements, like everything. It felt, mm. do you know, even though, and it's, um, yeah, so I kind of appreciated the film a little bit better. I didn't necessarily like the film. Mm. I think he's great. Yeah. It's weird. It's not my ultimate Christmas movie, but it's okay. It's got the colors. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's true. It's got the colors. It's <laughs> That's the most lukewarm endorsement of a film I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, what I mean, you could argue that um, The Nightmare for Christmas lacks the colours. It doesn't have the colours. So. <laughs> it does halfway through. Uh, briefly, it has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tristan, what did you think then? <laughs> uh, look, I mean... In many ways, similar to you, I'm not, I'm not going to end at the same place. Uh, I didn't. I also, as I said, didn't watch it at the time. I also, I think, um, even at the height of Jim Carrey, even though I was kind of very much the perfect age for it and everything, I never, I never found him that funny. Um, <gasps> really? Yeah, like I, I appreciate what he does. Like he's got a very, like he's very. Good, as you say, as the physical humor, his ability to contort himself, yeah. his face—it's like the acrobatics, like, it's like the gymnastics of his face and his body, yeah, voice, everything. Absolutely, like totally, like I can sort of academically appreciate that, but it just viscerally, personally, I never found it particularly funny. I think maybe because it wraps itself around very sort of, I don't know cheesy puerile sort of humor and it just it never quite clicked you find it too juvenile maybe i i I don't usually have anything against juvenile humor i mean i like a poop gag as well as anyone but yeah i don't know there's just something about jim carrey that it annoyed me before it made me laugh and then i think i could never turn it around Mm -hmm. um so it was interesting actually coming back and watching a jim carrey movie having not seen one for you know umpteen years and again look like good and he works very well as a very cartoony character. Um, he manages to sort of animate the character better than I think some of the animated versions of the Grinch have done. Okay. But yes, let's move on to our rounds. So then, round one, Christmas. So let's do uh, Nightmare Before Christmas first. 
And the track we are going to be listening to is... What's this? What's this? (laughs) (laughs) I just had to do it. There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? Children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys and absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. And in my bones I feel the warmth that's coming from inside. Oh, look, what's this? The hanging mistletoe. They kiss? Why, that looks so unique. Inspired! The gathering around here is story roasting chestnuts on a fire. What's this? What's this? Here. They've got a little tree. How queer! And who would ever think? And why? They're covering it with tiny little things. They've got electric lights on strings, and there's a smile on everyone. So now correct me if I'm wrong. This looks like fun, this looks like fun. Oh, could it be? I got my wish. What's this? Oh my, what now? The children are asleep. But look, there's nothing underneath. No ghouls, no witches here to scream and scare them or ensnare them. Only little cozy things secure inside their dreamland. Uh, so this track uh, is from when Jack discovers Christmas Town. I mean, it sets the scene perfectly. The journey of discovery of this wonderful new world that is like complete polar o- opposite to to his. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just it's so iconic. Like the tempo is exudes this, this sort of excitement, this sort of breathlessness and curiosity, like a child who is like running around a toy shop and mm. it. it I, I, the whole music, the the lyrics, the as I said, the the instrumentation, the arrangement, it just captures this sort of childlike hyperactive <laughs> questioning, like I want it now, blah, 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 that sort of like manicness, but it's still fun and joyful and magical. And I just I love, I like how there are sections where it kind of. Um, it, the sections kind of goes up and down where like the first section is very hyperactive and it's very upbeat and then it kind of slowly slightly goes a little bit melancholic um mm. which i guess is meant to kind of highlight um jack's sort of his halloween heritage still kind of coming through and his thinking maybe and i wonder um if it's maybe like a faster variation of his um uh, the track called La- Jack's Lament? Lament? Lament. Lament. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, it, there definitely is a relationship between between both of those themes for sure. But yeah, I mean, I love it, and oh my god, you know why I love it so much is because it just it is timeless, and yeah. Because you know why? It's because this is a little plug for a friend of mine who's uh, doing a show currently at the Pleasant Theatre um, in Caledonian okay. Road. Because um, 
it's a, it's a, it's an amazing sort of um, drag panto mm-hmm. set. Uh, it's a Christmas drag panto set in space called um, <laughs> <laughs> pl- the pl- uh, was it the planet of trash or something okay. like that. Um, but anyway, so and they actually do they sing. What's this? Wow! And like one of the characters actually sings the "What's this?" in a way in, in relation to him discovering Christmas because it's kind of the whole story set in this like planet of well, it's basically Earth that's been covered in trash, and like right. the boy raised like he's never known what Christmas is, and all of a sudden they go on this weird journey, and he and his mom they end up at this place where he sees tinsel and he sees like lights and Christmas like decoration and he's like oh what's this what's this and oh my god the actor is amazing the way the way he's able to keep up with the tempo and like have that breathlessness at the end and just amazing I think the fact that if you can kind of carry a song like that and apply it to a story it's just to a whole other story yeah yeah so yeah for me it's a win I mean I, I love it I mean you? Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, I, I don't think uh, we need to explain it any better than that. I think I think that is the joy of it. I mean, yeah, I also I love that energy to it, and I love how dynamic it is in that it speeds up, it slows down. And I guess, like, the, the obviously the round is called Christmas. What makes it Christmas is not just the musicality, but for me, as we said, it's, it is this energy yeah. that comes through it. Um, yeah, you're right. It's less the sleigh bells, which are there, and more that it. You're right. It's like a, a hyper child running around a toy store mm. at Christmas of the, the the promise of all of these new things mm-hmm. and just the insanity of it all. Yeah, I I completely agree. So then let's move on to the Grinch. Uh, or how yes. to, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to call it yeah. the Grinch. You know, I'm not going to go. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just call it the Grinch from now on because it's a nice yeah. show. Yeah, sure. And then um, where are you, Christmas? Look, it's very much a James Horner film song. Uh, you know, the man who brought you uh, somewhere out there, and my heart will go on, 
and many others. I feel like this was very much an attempt to have another big hit, as it were, you know, a big sort of like explodes out of the movie and becomes one of the great songs of Christmas. And I think we can say 19 years later, it didn't happen. Yep. I've never heard the song outside of the film. It's a decent song in its own right. I Look, I'm not a fan of uh, the six-year-old Taylor Mumpson's version and I apologize to any fans of Pretty Reckless out there but I don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't work for me I feel like you feel the child has been exploited ah uh, maybe maybe I there's there's a touch of that there's definitely a, there's definitely a touch they of that. think that if uh, this if a little kid is singing it then it's gonna make it all nice and Christmassy get you in the mood I think they've gone yeah I think they've gone too cute <laughs> I, I, I think that it's like it's about a hundred and twenty percent cute um it's like she just she really lays it on but it goes to a point that it becomes more parody than soulful mm-hmm. I, I was trying i was trying to work it out because like I, like you're familiar with somewhere out there right yep. from american tale like i literally cannot listen to more than about 30 seconds of that without crying i like i'll, I'll admit it straight up i just there's something about it and even now when it's not like i can even remember the story of the film that well um, so I can't specifically tell you where it falls. There's just something about it that just hits me really hard. And I listened to it again the other day and, you know, after I dried my eyes, I was trying to, well, what, what's different? Because it actually is quite similar um, in many ways. Um, it has the same quite cutesy singing. The singing is a bit flawed. It's not too perfect. and It's similar in how it's done, but it's just... It this it just doesn't click at all. It doesn't work for me. Because I think reason why well I think it's because you you notice that it's a formula. Maybe, but I, yeah, I think somewhere out there is formulaic as well. It's probably the same formula, but it just it works. This one doesn't. Okay, well. Your thoughts? <laughs> terrible. Wow. Uh, definitely of its time doesn't translate well it's like it has that mm-hmm. sort of cheesy late 90s early noughties ballads type you know the whole oh my god particularly when f-ing, excuse me <laughs> when faith hill <laughs> sings it it's that terrible christina aguilera anastasia vocal exaggeration mm-hmm. uh, no it was meant to be mariah carey she wrote the lyrics i think she uh, wrote yeah did she well, some of the lyrics at least I think so and it's, it's just i no, no, <laughs> just ooh. it really like I I hurt my face listening to it for this podcast. <laughs> like I think I've got some wrinkles now because I'm just like so I was like straining myself. Thinking now I have to do this. I have to listen for the podcast. I have to form an opinion. You know, so guys, this is for you. Okay, can't argue with that. Uh, Look, I'm going to go through the motions of voting. Which one are you going to vote for, Ella? Is it, isn't it? it obvious? It is obvious. So you're going to vote for what's this? And uh, look, I will as well. I mean, it's... Yeah. Cool. Moving on to round two, villain song. This is going to be entertaining. This mm. is going to be entertaining. Yeah. So... Let's start off with, again, The Nightmare Before Christmas and the... Oogie Boogie Song. 
everybody's talking about. <laughs> You're joking. You're joking. I can't believe my eyes. You're joking me. You gotta be. This can't be the right guy. He's ancient. He's ugly. I don't know which is worse. I might just split a seam now if I don't die laughing first. Mr. Boogie says there's trouble close at hand. You better pay attention now, cause I'm the boogeyman. And if you aren't shaking, there's something very wrong. Cause this may be the last time you hear the boogie song. And I've nothing much to do I might just cook a special batch Of snake and spider stew And don't you know the one thing That would make it work so nice A roly Polish Santa Claus Dad on little spice Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I'm the Oogie Boogie Man Release me now or you must face the dire consequences the children are expecting me, so please come to your senses. Ah, you're joking! You're joking! I can't believe my ears! Would someone shut this fella up? I'm drowning in my tears! It's funny! I'm laughing! You really are too much! And now, with your permission, I'm going to do my stuff. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> Love it. Love, 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 love. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, it just oozes this like bluesy, the bluesy melodies and the swagger. It has that sort of speakeasy cabaret quality, quality to it. It's just yeah. fun. And like, I think the song was actually inspired by Callaway's song. Cab uh, Callaway. Yep. Cab Callaway. Um, the Ghost of Smokey Joe. Here's a little. Okay. Here's, here's what it sounds like. You didn't see me climb through the window. Nobody had to open that door. I love it. I think the characterization and like this, you really feel for Santa, you know? Mm-hmm. You feel bad for him, the fact that this bit, like, it's a proper wit, it's a proper villain song. It's on par with Toxic Love with Tim Curry. I was going to say, yeah. it, it reminds me a lot of Toxic Love, but yeah, it's less Big Spender and more, more Cab Calloway, absolutely. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's just so on point. But yeah, that's, yeah, yeah for me, it's a win. Uh, shall we move on to how the Grinch talk of the Grinch? <laughs> the Grinch. And- You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. With his coat and his hat, I'm a just like Saint Nick. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a 
greasy black beer. Just face the music, you're a monster. Mystic Lynch, yes you are. You got Gallagher's old Mr. Grinch. Well, I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half a Okay, so I don't think it's necessarily bad. I was quite impressed with um, his vocal acrobatics. I didn't know Jim Carrey sang that well. No. No, me neither. So I was pretty like I was pretty pleasantly surprised. I thought it worked well in the film. I I, I kind of feel, and I might be wrong, but because obviously yeah. we've talked about Oogie Boogie, I almost feel as though James Horner kind of maybe tried to do something similar to that. Uh, possibly. I, so I don't think James Horner had a whole lot to do with this one, to be honest. Mm. So this song is in every version of The Grinch because it's actually a song written by Dr. Seuss or Theodore Geisel, his actual name. Oh, and the same melody and stuff. No, he, so he didn't write the melody. It's but there the, is a the ni- lyrics are, the right. He wrote the lyrics, and there, but there is a 1966 version of this uh, sort of TV animated version of the story of The Grinch. And for that, a composer called Albert Haig uh, wrote, uh, wrote a song, and it, it is this. It is this song. All that's really been done for the 2000 film is it's been reorchestrated a bit. I would assume that was by James Horner. And then Jim Carrey has sung it, and Jim Carrey obviously stops and starts and does all these actions in between. So it's he's 100% made it his own. Mm-hmm. But um, the song and the basic uh, idea of the song is as it was in the 1966 version. And here is that 1966 version. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a... Greasy black peel. Okay. Okay. Well, to, to be honest, I actually prefer the original. Now that we've just played that, I much prefer. Uh, yeah, as a as a version, that's probably true. But obviously, um, a key part of what they've done for the 2000 version is they've let Jim Carrey act in the middle. So it, it stops and starts a lot to let him contort his face and show the smile with the termites and, and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And I... I I kind of can't fault that because this is a real character presentation moment for the Grinch. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the point of having Jim Carrey play the Grinch if he doesn't get to be Jim Carrey during the big character moment? Yeah, no, totally. So but- I'm, I'm 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 cool with that basically. So I, I like it. In fact, I am going to vote for it for this round. Mm-hmm. Traitor. Interesting. I appreciate it. I like it within the film. I think it it's, it gives a nice break, uh, yeah. an opportunity, a nice spotlight for Jim Carrey to kind of show off a, his singing skills and kind of a real a real nice moment for the Grinch to kind of outshine everybody because I think beforehand yeah. it's all about the who's kind of interpretation of who he yeah. is. Um, yeah. However, I don't feel scared of him. Okay. 
So for okay. me, in terms of fearing him, I, it's just like with the Grinch. I uh, since watching the film, right at the beginning, I just felt like, oh, he's just misunderstood. Yeah, I mean that is kind of the point. But no, yeah, I know, I, but yeah. I know, but for a villain song, I just felt okay. Uh, for me, I would go for the boogie oogie wiggie. Oogie Wiggy. Yeah. Oogie Wiggy song. Oogie just because there was an it was a proper villain song and it elevated all the feelings and the fears that yep. you know you as a watcher should feel. No, I, I I don't disagree with that. I just am using a different criteria for this one, I think. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> that is a vote each way. Let's move on to round three, plots and plans. Okay, so this is this round is mainly for you, Tristan, because <laughs> <laughs> I have to declare and say that you were really adamant. You were really like, oh, I really want to talk about this song. So I'm like, from that moment before Christmas. So I would like you, you lead it. That's because I was watching the movie and I heard this song and I was like, oh, that's a real banger. We need to talk about that one. Why, why, are, we, why are we not talking about that? And you gave me your list of songs that you wanted to talk about. It wasn't there. I was like, what the hell? Why are we not talking about... Making Christmas. This time, this time, making Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas is so fine.
Yeah. So tell us, Tristan, why do you like this? It's fun. Uh, I mean, again, it's like, like, uh, what's this? It's a very sort of uh, dynamic song. It speeds up, it slows down, it moves around. Like you never quite know where it's going to go. Uh, obvious thing we do have to talk about and probably the thing I like least about it is that um, excessive use of the ba 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 um, DSERA four note motif thing which I mean last month we did our pet peeves and that was like the very next thing on my list was overuse of DSERA but um, look in this case I, I'm okay with it because it's using it in a sort of very silly mocking kind of a way and it's fun I mean I so you would know this, of course, but like the the sort of the basic story of how this stuff came together is that Tim Burton and Danny Elfman would sit down and they would work the songs out between them, and then the song would be taken to the animators, and then they would plan the animation because obviously with stop motion you need that you need to have the exact plan as to where you're going. Cause yeah. It takes them like weeks to do a sequence, like the Making Christmas sequence. It is it is really, really good fun. And I like how it shifts at the back half of the song. It's constantly shifting between the Halloween two Town yeah. and Christmas Town. Yeah, and it just, by by switching um, orchestration mainly and taking the ba 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 motif out, it instantly becomes Christmas and then back again as like to and fro. And that's fun. Mm. I, I think it's... For for me, as like a as a like a as a set piece of the music working with the animation and working with the various ideas of the film, it that's the best part of the film for mine of where it's all working together in harmony. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And it's just like for me, like I even love the percussion. It's just so fun to play with. Like if you're a, mm-hmm. a drummer, um, when you're if you're ever performing. Um, making Christmas as an orchestra yeah. um, just because it's just so all over the place and it's just so it's not your typical drum rhythms being made and this is something that I actually I think is a very Danny Elfman-esque um, trope of his because it's it's mm-hmm. very sim. it has this sort of like syncopated like weird sort of off the beat kind of like um yeah, he you, loves that little sort of slightly off umpa pa. Yeah, um, Danny Elfman. And yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It just makes my shoulders want to go up, up and down, up and down. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know. it's fun. It's it's good fun, and it, it's perfect for the tone of this film. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just it's quite funny how like it's making Christmas. It's it's. I think what I love about it is just kind of like the meaning behind it where you have these citizens of Halloween uh, Halloween Town who are genuinely trying to do a nice thing in their minds <laughs> you know they're helping Jack fulfill his dreams and they're working as a team and yep. they're creating these horrific things that to them is just like oh it's it's what we like you know it's like an yeah, Adam's it's a gift for the children yeah, yeah it's like an adam's family type vibe where like you know adam's yeah. family they're quite known like to for like playing kill kill each other but that's for them that's normal and that's you know it's like but we love each other still um yep. so it kind of has that nice <laughs> juxtaposition vibe about it and then yep. yeah and then you have when it goes to the christmas town it's all very like your typical traditional fluffy lovely sort of like you know there's a moment when the reindeers go the silhouettes of the rainbows go past and it's had kind of like it's just like it has that sort of Tchaikovsky sort of like ballet element to it as well yeah 
Yeah. Now then, moving on to the Grinch stealing Christmas. windows were dark, quiet snow filled the air, all the who's were all dreaming, sweet dreams without care, when he came to the first little house on the square. <laughs> Come on, Max, it's our first stop. The old Grinchy claws hissed, and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. He'd slide down the chimney, a rather tight pinch. But if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once, for a moment or two. This is kind of wild as well. It. it I wrote uh, dog. Yeah, I find, for me, it's setting some sort of record for the numbers of styles of music that it shifts between. Mm. Is there there a good thing, though? For the scene, absolutely. This is a scene that is wild and wacky and Jim Carrey's doing all sorts of weird things. So I I, I do think so. Like, obviously, in any sort of a serious movie, this would be completely over the top, but there is absolutely nothing 
serious about this movie, especially not at this point. And it's got some wacky thing. Like right at the beginning, there's a part where it like it sounds very John Williams like. It's the most John Williams like that I've ever heard. James Horner with the like swirling strings and woodwinds for the for the for the action writing. I also like how as it goes through, he manages to fit in uh, instrumental chunks of "Where Are You Christmas" every time Cindy Lou is referenced on screen. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, even apart from that, it, it just it just keeps wildly switching between full orchestra and strings or uh, he has a section which is just like clanging uh, out of tune piano. He goes into full jazz at times. He goes into full suspense. And then he has like, like wacky comedy music. He just he does a bit of everything. And in the in the actual movie, when you're watching it, it, it is seamless and it just it makes the whole scene fun. Yeah. But it isn't the same sort of set piece, obviously, as Making Christmas, where it gets to be the, the centre of attention. I think there's moments in it that I do really like, and I wish it may have been developed further. Like the little moments of, as you say, where are you now? Where are you Christmas? To signify yep. Cindy Lou's presence, as you say, it's good. I felt like it was trying to keep up with Jim Carrey's acrobatics. And I think yeah. sometimes you can't... It takes. It can be quite hard to do. I think what he was trying to do is basically what Jim Carrey was doing on screen and trying to keep up with yeah. him with all the changes. And I think yeah. sometimes when you do it with music, it can kind of sound incohesive. That's okay. what I feel like he's doing here. But yeah, but I mean, like, like I said, I think it's it's, it's a great piece of music. But I still prefer Making Christmas. Okay, so that's a vote for Making Christmas for you. Yeah, and you. When I started doing this round, obviously, as I said, like I was the one who asked to do Making Christmas because I think it's, it is a really great song. And it's don't, a set you piece. don't you it's dare, don't you dare. It's probably my favourite set piece in the film. But I must say, the more I listen to the actual writing, this is everything I want from orchestral sort of cartoon writing in that it is wild, it's wacky, it's prepared to go anywhere, it does so many different styles and does them all actually very very well and it fits the scene so well you don't even notice it's there but it just makes the scene very very fun i'm hmm. i am going to go out on a on a weird limb and i'm going to go for stealing christmas because it it, it was prob- of all of the things i heard it was the most pleasant surprise of all of the music that i heard in both films mhm even though it's and it's incredibly close because even though of actually watching the films the the sort of in cinema experience as it were making christmas was the one that stood out but from so analyzing them again afterwards stealing christmas was the was also the big surprise and i i want to acknowledge that okay fine moving swiftly on round four the raid or christmas delivery this is kind of fun because, so, I, I don't know if, I'm assuming you're going to agree with this. I'm just going to throw it out there. That, like, the Nightmare Before Christmas, but for me, yeah, so it's merging a visit from Nicholas by uh, the poet Clement Clark Moore. And, well, actually, that might even be disputed. But anyway, that poem and The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. There's definitely, like, the, the two stories have been sort of melded together into one to make The Nightmare Before Christmas. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And this scene is very much where you see that uh, that merge because these are basically identical scenes of him going through, even though, like, Jack is delivering Christmas 
and the Grinch is doing exactly the opposite. Functionally, they're exactly the same, right down to the kind of uh, robotic slash dead reindeer <laughs> and mm-hmm. the, the dog. But yeah, so we'll start with the Nightmare Before Christmas version, which is simply called Christmas Eve Montage. For me, that's peak Danny Elfman. That, that just that sound—it's that umpapa sound again. Just the that wild wackiness. I mean, you hear that and you expect you know Tim Burton to come up on the screen. It's just like that's that's it. Well, it throws you into that sort of Christmas mood and Christmas journey, and just going through. You know, like you're on a journey with Jack on that sleigh. Yeah. Well, yeah, dead sleigh. I, I like the fact that it it, made, it shifts between the various sort of cliches. You've got your sort of your sugar plum fairies. You've got your German umpa pie. You've got your little Danny Elfman string patterns. There's lots of hints to Jack's Lament, as you mentioned earlier. There's lots of chunks of other songs from the soundtrack. It all sort of comes together, and it's almost like an overture in a way. The way that it just it sort of recycles everything. In many respects, actually, this track reminds me a lot of Stealing Christmas uh, in the way that it is bouncing between ideas quite wildly, and it is it is very very good. How about you? I think I just I love like the moments of where it introduces different ethnic sort of instrumentation like when the snake comes wrapping itself around the the tree and it's kind of like oh yeah you know and then the next shot would be the the uh, is it what do you call it was it what's that called is it a reef that's hang that hangs reef. on the, on the wall and then that comes yep. alive and then you know it, it it sets the these little toy toys of horror nicely and then it crescendos right at the end, you know, where, you yeah. know, they're running after the kids, they're trying to swallow the Christmas tree. And it's just, I love it. I, it's just this terror, there's excitement, there's, uh, yeah. it's just, it, it hits all these exhilarate. It's really an exhilarating film, uh, moment and the music does that as well. It does its job. <laughs> Shall we move on to How the Grinch Stole Christmas and the track Big Heist? 
See, now I like this one too. Um, yeah. I like the. It's the same idea. It's just more jazzy. Yeah, and like I think this is the one where I, when I watched it, when I was watching the film, um, the percussive hits brought my attention. I was like, oh, this is quite unusual. They were quite very metallic, you know, mm. and mm-hmm. really kind of stuck out in a strange way. But I didn't not, I didn't not like it. If that makes sense. Good. I appreciated yep. it, but. Yep. The clarinet, though. Some of the clarinet lines, I, I did feel, were a little bit too similar to Danny Elfman's. You know, there's that, as I said, like, very similar to the sliding snake that wraps itself around the tree in The Night Before Christmas. There's moments like that in this big heist track as well. Okay, okay. Um, and I guess maybe, you know, mainly maybe because, you know, Danny Elfman's earlier, uh, like, I've just been so used to hearing um, Danny Elfman's mm. sort of signature instruments such as the clarinet, bassoon, choir, xylophone, marimba and rhythmic sections being used in his music that any time I hear that I am always thinking, oh, they must have been influenced by Danny Elfman. Interesting. Um, because like, I, I do find that Danny Elfman has a really great way, well, in his earlier work, whereby he uses the instruments in a much more wackier way like okay like there's much more wacky expressions when it's played in his films okay. what do you think uh, well, i largely agree i think some of the things that you hear as being danny elfman influences and i mean i'm not saying you're wrong uh, you're probably quite right uh, i think i hear them also as maybe kachaturian influences and um i also a lot of there's a lot of leroy anderson in here as well um particularly those horsey trumpets so i look i i think these these two tracks are really interesting in that both would probably actually work for each other's scene because i mean they're so the scenes are so similar and the music is so similar they would both probably work but at the same time you can't listen to more than 10 seconds or five seconds of one of these tracks and not know instantly what film it's from because both are referencing and re-referencing their own sound so well that you know you're, you're, you're hearing the internal themes uh, so often so they're both very very good and I find them incredibly hard to split from my personal perspective like uh, i was trying to like sit down i was like listen, listening to chunk and chunk against each other just trying to work out well, which one which one do i prefer for me i think i find uh big heist so from the grinch just that bit more dramatic than the christmas eve montage i think the orchestration is just that bit richer and bolder and so it 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 punches a little bit harder for mine. I think that purely comes from the fact of Nightmare Before Christmas is quite early in Danny Hoffman's career, so he wasn't maybe quite there yet, whereas this is actually quite late in James Horner's career. I think it's just that little bit more sophisticated in the number of orchestral sounds and techniques that he can, he can bring to bear mm. onto essentially the same scene. So I just find, found it that little bit weightier but at the same time, as you said last week, I mean, Danny Elfman, I think he probably gained in his orchestral richness, but he lost his wackiness over time. Yeah, which is why, for me, I, I prefer the Christmas montage. For the things that you don't particularly like, you know, I the sparseness or the sort of rawness and maybe the kind of a little bit of amateurness, I like and I appreciate. Okay. 
So I'm voting for Big Heist and I'm assuming you're voting for Christmas Eve montage? Naturally. Naturally. Okay. (laughs) So we've had some split rounds. Let's see what happens in round five. Legacy. Do you like to talk to the legacy of The Nightmare Before Christmas? I think I've kind of touched touched upon it uh, at the beginning, to be honest. I think in terms of the film, I think it's just... It's just... uh, it's timeless i really do i think it's just it's translated well over time the fact that even at some point i think it was maybe about 10 years ago whereby that group of musical genre that i grew up listening to like grunge rock sort of alternative music a lot of very famous um artists in that sort of niche got together and actually created recorded a song uh recorded the album um i think marilyn manson actually produced and headed that project um he obviously he recorded this is halloween and he reworked like every song from nightmare before christmas original soundtrack was reworked and sung by people like Amy Lee from Evanescence, mm-hmm. um, Fiona Apple. I've not heard this album. That sounds phenomenal. And um, I'm not saying that all of them are great, but just <laughs> the fact that, I mean, because it was released in 2006, but still the fact that he had that sort of impact and that, you know, yeah, even in that generation, people wanted to kind of connect with people through. I think that's, it has a major legacy that uh, it's always going to speak to the odd child or the child who feels at odd at odds with the world and make him make them feel connected and make them feel like it's okay to be weird you know okay. and to be true to themselves i think that's the legacy that that film and the music really is at, at its heart it's definitely a cult film of of people of our of our age basically it's it's the cult film of the of the outsider do you, do you want to unpack that a bit as to what particularly about it spoke to you or i assume you've probably bonded with other people over this film have you yeah absolutely but like i said i mean the people who i feel are like me or felt like me as being outsiders we bonded because as everything as i just mentioned earlier the fact that mm. we, we felt like it was okay to like something strange and weird and macabre. Right, yeah. So is it the disconnect between the Halloween and Christmas that, that does that for you? I'm trying to just sort of like pinpoint, what, what, what is it about this film that just so captures that idea? I think it's the it aesthetics. Could... I think it's everything about it um, from the costumes, the design work, the influences that, you know, from the German expressionism, um, and how it's been kind of remodernized and it's it has it's, it's created this world and because you haven't seen anything else like that no you know if you even try and look back before nightmare on elm street there's no other real film like that yeah i don't know it just it, it, it unites people it does it, it really really does it makes liking dark things fun yeah. That's the best way I can describe it. That's okay. why it kind of spoke to me. Because, and the fact that it's okay to like things that are dead. Like, the same way that Adam's Family, I like Adam's Family because of its sort of quirkiness mm-hmm. and kind of reverting that... The things that you fear, you shouldn't fear them, really. Okay. I mean, just to kind of 
finally say about the Christmas element? Uh, sure. I don't think we kind of mentioned it as much in terms of the legacy. I think the story or the moral behind Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of important as well, whereby, I mean, as far as I got behind that and uh, the notion that I got from it. I'm curious to it, hear this, actually. What do, what, what do you feel is the message of Nightmare Before Christmas? Um, just be true to yourself. Okay. Um, I some people might say like, oh, don't overstep your own boundaries. I guess. Yeah, I, I, my gut reaction of the message of Nightmare Before Christmas is stay in your lane. <laughs> like, let Christmas be Christmas and Halloween be Halloween. There's that interpretation. Yes, I think what I kind of got from it was that at least there was understanding between each other because you know you get you have you have the moral is is that you tried, you tried it. But then, mm. you know, I think if if Jack was successful in his sort of Christmas run, then that's fine. Mm. The moral of the story is that, like, you know, anything, you can make anything happen. You, you Anything you can do, you, you put your mind towards, you know, you can make it happen. But I think yeah. because he underestimated his own, he underestimated, he, he underestimated the audience, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and underestimated the meaning of Christmas. You know, because yeah. he was trying to bring in the ideology of Halloween into Christmas and not really understanding what it's about. That's where he failed. And yeah. that's where it kind of feels like, you know, you can try and you can go outside the box by all means and like, you know, try something new. But at the core of it, it's um, don't forget who you truly are. Okay. And don't try to push that aside because I think he was having like an, ex an existential moment where he was questioning himself a lot because he was going through the motion yeah. and like all he needed was just basically inspiration yeah. because then straight afterwards he kind of found himself back and he was just kind of like you know what I've got all these ideas now if he hadn't ha if he hadn't made that mistake and made that had that experience of trying to be Santa Claus a failure it would have now mm. helped him to challenge himself to realize that actually I've got I've, what I have is actually good. I just need to really work on what I already have. Okay. Yeah, I can I can I can see that because it, it, in in many respects it's kind of a tragedy in that he tries to do a thing and it fails badly, but out of that tragedy doesn't come like you know death and failure. Although probably a few people die, uh, but instead comes like a newfound respect and understanding. Because obviously it, it ends with Santa Claus like leaving christmas gifts for halloween town so it actually ends and even even though they've abducted him and submitted him to this villain who wanted to almost cook him or something yeah yeah they they find a common ground and respect amongst each other so and it's, I think it's that's respecting the... yeah go on, sorry. I, yeah i think is that it it's respecting the difference between people yeah i think but that's we, a very we won't important try and do moral you, you don't do us yeah yeah we all just live as one big happy family, but, you know, in our appreciating our own cultures, you know. Yeah, I can get that. And that is definitely a very useful message around Christmas if you want to avoid having many rows with other family members who may not believe the same things as you, which is classic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shall we move on to how the Grinch stole Christmas? I think the problem is, is that I did not grow up watching how the Grinch stole Christmas. Not yet. Neither of us did, and also neither of us even grew up reading a hell of a lot of Dr. Seuss. I think maybe if you do, it's quite a big thing, but like... No, but the, you know what? I can appreciate Dr. Seuss as an author because like from what I did read or like even though I wasn't into him in the same way I was with Roald Dahl, I still appreciated his sort of wacky sort of 
um, unusual texts and probes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that he was not, he wasn't afraid to talk about unusual things and make them. I mean, he's done the same thing as what Nightmare Before Christmas did, like as a writer. Um, yep, whether it sure. got translated well into the film, I don't think it did. I think it was too yeah. sugar-coated. It was too fluffy. It was too American. You know, it was too Hollywood. Right, right. And it's yeah. just... And I think, yeah, the music was very Hollywood in that sense as well. That's why, for me, it didn't necessarily stand out. I agree. Look, I think the big difference between these two is that The Nightmare Before Christmas is obviously it's it's an original property, as it were, even though it's very much, it's a, as we've said, it's a composite of a, a very well-loved poem and Dr. Seuss. It is its own beast and it is its own thing and that's what people like you are attaching to, right? Right. In the, ca- in the case of The Grinch, uh, this was very much, it was about let's make this much-loved story a film. I... Its legacy is that, I mean, it kind of worked, right? Like when the movie came out, it was, I think, the second highest grossing Christmas movie of all time behind Home Alone. I mean, I agree. People still see it as a Christmas movie. I mean, when it was like recently got removed from Netflix and there was a big hoo-ha about like, I can't believe you (laughs) removed it from Netflix. Like literally like before, like the month of Christmas, Christmas. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, they took it down like the thirtieth of November. I mean, that is a particularly rough, rough move. Maybe we've got to pay extra to be able to show it over Christmas. Who knows? Yeah, like that's its legacy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It's I I don't think it has the staying power. The mere fact that they felt like they had to remake it uh, is 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 testament to that. And in fact, the remake is now the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time, at least as of recording this. Who knows what will happen this year? Shall we move on to our conclusion? Well, then, who is the winner? I think you know. Do uh, I? Because I think you might because uh, Ella. <laughs> yes, Tristan. You voted for Nightmare for Christmas in every single round. Did I? Which, yeah, yeah, you <laughs> did. You did. Um, which meant that in order to even have so much as a tie, I would have had to vote for the Grinch every single round, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that would therefore be a win for the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, there was no tactical voting whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say true to my values, true to my feelings, you know. So normally at this point I ask, oh, are you surprised at the result? But I'm going to dispense with that this time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you need to go there. It's just like, yeah, no. there's no surprise. <laughs> no, no, that, 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 that was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but look, hey, I mean, this is a film that you, you say you watch twice a year. You've already worn out an old VHS tape on, like, yeah. It's ingrained in me. Let's just say that this is the one film that if I was stuck on a desert island with one other person and we were bored as hell, like, what are we going to do? I would literally reenact and sing Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you sing along when you watch it? Yeah. Well, sometimes in my head, but yeah, I... I, I, (laughs) That makes me sound like a freak. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a freak. It's okay, guys, <laughs> to be a freak. Okay, power to the freak. If look, if there is there is any movie that it's appropriate to get your freak on about, it's it's Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Freaks rejoice. 
Well, what's interesting, do you guys agree with us? Yeah. Well, with, with Ella, particularly. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you, you could disagree. I'm more, I'm open to that as well. Although I'm, yeah, no, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm open to disagreement. Think- do you think this is Danny Elfman's best score? Oh, in total, uh, uh, it's one of my top three. Okay. So, so what, the other ones would be Edward Scissorhands and Batman? Batman Returns. Okay. It's funny, a lot of people would say Batman, but for me, I actually much prefer Batman Returns. Okay, so the Pantheon is Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns. Oh, and Beetlejuice. I'll say my top five. <laughs> And look, I love James Horner. I really do love James Horner, but I wouldn't be putting... I'm not rushing to put The Grinch in the, my top five James Horner scores. So I'm okay with it. Uh, we can we can agree on this one. It's fine. I, I probably do, in balance, prefer Nightmare Before Christmas. We're all good. We're all good. We're still friends. We're still friends. Yeah. <laughs> so next month, next year even, we're going to be talking about a rather interesting combination of films, The Great Escape versus Godzilla, King of the Monsters. What's interesting about these films, and the reason why we have chosen these films, is the composers are for The Great Escape, uh, Elmer Bernstein, and for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, one of my favourite composers, Bear McCreary, who is very much an apprentice to uh, to Elmer Bernstein. So we're going to have very much like a, a master in the student episode Mm. and the reason why because the films are not terribly similar but the reason why we've chosen them is that the great escape is very much one of bernstein's more famous scores and that sort of big uh ensemble cast action movie is is bernstein is best that's 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 what he was most famous for and i think with bear mccreary it's fair to say that the sci-fi slightly nerdy film is very much his wheelhouse so we're, we're playing them off each other at their at their best so I, I think that could be a very interesting episode. Mm. So stay tuned for that in January. Yeah. And so right now, Tristan and I are going to go. Shall we go and have some old wine? Why not? Let's do it. Let's find a Christmas market somewhere. Bye, everybody. And Merry Bye. Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year.
Here to scream and scare them all and snare them all with little cozy things to cure them.